1: Welcome to a funny taste in music. Uh, it's the podcast where I talk to comedians about music. They like music comedians, which is pretty lucky for this because it'd be awkward if I got someone on. and They went, yeah, not really into it. Um, I, uh, this one's going to be great. It's with Steve Gribbon. And as I say at the start of it, I used to give Steve lifts to gigs quite a lot. I lived in Balham in South London and he lived in Lewisham just around the corner and he didn't drive so i'd drive him and then on the way back he'd always say i'll get a bus from Balham," but i couldn't just i couldn't let him get a bus but you know at one two in the morning when you've got an extra half an hour to drop someone off and that means another half an hour back so instead of getting home at one in the morning you're getting home at two right so this is how much i like this human being and we used to talk about music constantly on the car journeys he was one of the first people i thought oh he loves music i'll get get him on and i was proved absolutely right sweet jesus the bands he's seen it's great uh, he's also got his own podcast called kick over the statues it's talking about people with statues people do you think they should be kicked over so he's not agreeing it's got a question mark let's make that clear um before you boycott this episode immediately so he's got his own podcast so make sure you listen to that uh, it's, it was a great chat with Steve. Loads of music we talked about. And we talked about Cherry Ghost. That was the band he told me to listen to. And I'm recommending them to you before we even get going. So listen to them. They'll be on the Spotify playlist that will go along with this. I hope you're liking them. Let me know if you are. Uh, tweet me if, you want, if there's a comedian you think that should be on it. Tweet me. My Twitter is a underscore tweety underscore bird. Yeah, it's an unnecessary complicated Twitter handle that my agent uh, did for me. And that that is that is that, that that's a marker of how she made things unnecessary complicated that hindered my career. Um, So, I hope you enjoy this episode, Uh, uh, here we go, Steve Gribben. A funny taste in music. The interview, next. I hope you're not expecting an official start, it's one of them. There's no start point, like this is it. This is it, okay. Let's podcast. Um, so I like to start. Yeah. So, hey, uh, hey, now, Steve. One of yeah. the reasons I thought definitely got to talk to you is because I mean we've had hours of music chats.
0: We have. Every time we used to come to a gig, we just spend the first twenty minutes. What are you listening to? You, yeah, you've thanks. always got
1: some great choices as well. You know. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> this is a good start, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and. One of the main things, as well. Now, I'll admit this to you. When I lived in London, I lived in Balham, and you lived in. Hang on, I should know this. Sydenham.
0: No. Uh, well, it's Ladywell, but it's part of Lewisham. Lewisham. So,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, Lewisham. That was it. I knew it was um. And uh, so you <coughs> lived in Lewisham, which from Balham is probably about like half an hour away. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So when we did gigs, because you don't drive. So if i did a gig and it had your name on it i thought well you're gonna need a lift and a little bit of me was happy i'd be like oh good we'll have a chat about music in the car but a little bit of me thought right uh, that means at two in the morning i've got to drive another half an hour to yours another half an hour back that adds an hour and at two in the morning an extra hour it's a lifetime and you'd always be nice and polite and say i'm happy to get out of Ballam and get a bus (laughs) <laughs> but I, could, I just could not bring myself to let well, you go to, <laughs> to Lewisham at two in the morning no I, you know I do appreciate it and so always kind of you. drive and uh, give you a lift back and uh, but we'd always have long long chats about music, like two hour drive chats about music yeah yeah but well, that would have yeah. been about uh, sort of 10 years ago now because God. I've not lived in London for 10 years
0: is it that long? Wow! Yeah, yeah. So that ten years ago was like twenty, obviously twenty ten. Um, we'd be talking about well, who'd be current then? I suppose.
1: Um, oh no, we didn't. We wasn't worried about current music. No, that's we it, weren't yeah. talking about the charts. <laughs> it was mainly. I remember it. It was mainly uh, our shared love of Wilco. Oh yeah, still
0: never seen them live. Even though I've tried about ten times to book tickets. Um, I'd love to see them.
1: Hang on, what do you mean you booked tickets but didn't see them? No, I said I've
0: tried to book tickets. You know, oh, as in, you, when they come on sale. <laughs> I'm, you I'm...
1: booked the tickets 10 times, bought them and no. just not managed to get to the gig? No. Uh, they were on at Glastonbury one year, but um,
0: I got really pissed and missed them. Um, I've, I've got a terrible habit of that. There's one year at um, Glastonbury, Neil Young, who I absolutely love, was on, and um, I was, my tipple choice at the time was red wine. So um me and the missus started drinking red wine about eleven o'clock in the morning and Neil young was on and I, I absolutely love him and he opened with them um, he did um, a version of um "I think it was all you Need is love," which is you know it's a lovely gesture uh, and I remember that song and I don't remember anything else <laughs> I actually passed out
1: now you started drinking at what time again it's about eleven eleven. In the morning. Yeah. Right, 11. So you know Neil Young's headlining. There's no, he's not on early. No. He's not he's not opening at lunchtime Neil Young is he at Gloucester no. so you I mean you've only got yourself to blame here. That was I have. Uh, That was so <laughs> ambitious. Red wine at 11 o'clock Neil Young's headlining and you you know. thought this could be alright.
0: Well, do you know what it was Andrew? I thought because we were only drinking them in those tiny little beaker things like half half cups really.
1: Yeah, my thought, mum does that. She drinks wine in a small wine glass, thinking that that makes it all right. But you've still <laughs> drunk a bottle. That's that's the measurement that counts. It doesn't matter how big the glass is. Well, I think I drank several bottles, yeah. yeah. So you're hammered and, and red and I'm wine. I'm really looking forward to seeing them, because I've I, I, you know, I've ah, never so seen them. Once a once-in-a-lifetime. Well, I never will now, probably. That's the, that's the one of them. So, so it's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of musician that you see coming over. Like when I saw Tom Petty was playing... Oh. I thought well that that and this was a couple of years ago. I thought he, they tour not very often. They come to England every ten years, mm. so I'm really chuffed I saw him. But um, so you've got a habit. What? El- oh, um, unbelievable! I don't know what it was when they played a. You know, sometimes you've heard a song a thousand times and you absolutely love a song, mm. but when you hear it live, there's something about it. I don't know what it was. It just really. Kicks you straight in the gut, and you almost get a little bit emotional. I don't know what that is. You "Ah, ah," when it when the start of uh, I won't back down, which is a which is a real great start to a song. It's a real smashes you over the face start to a song, isn't it? Anyway, but live, I don't know. I'll admit this. I'm slightly embarrassed, but I got slightly (laughs) emotional. I don't know what it was. i Don't know what it was. It was just because you are because I've heard it so many times. I loved it so much hearing it live. I don't, I, yeah, still don't know what that was. But uh, still, you, I
0: get the thing about I mean, I know we've missed it this year, in live performance. But one of the things that I love about live performance is the the connection. I know it's going to sound a bit mystical, but that's one of the things that I love about seeing a band in front of a really large, a really big crowd, like um, at, at Glastonbury and places like that, festivals. I mean, when I saw Crowded House at Glastonbury, that's one of the best. I mean, because he was very, very, I'd forgotten how funny that Neil Finn is. With the crowd, yeah. I mean, I, did I tell you that story of him when he he, he sort of fixated on one um, uh, of the stewards? who was a woman, but she wouldn't. You know that they um, are supposed to face the um, face away from the audience and watch the band. So they, you know, yeah. they're, they're not supposed to turn around. And he got it. So the whole audience was waiting for her to turn around, <laughs> and she did in the, in the middle of weather with you. She turned around, and honestly, the whole place, like you know, fifty thousand people went. Ah! Oh, that's
1: fantastic! Yeah, I think that I think that made the Glastonbury footage. I think it did. Yeah, it was. It, it might it, have, but it, yeah, I think I think that definitely. It it's not vital, but if uh, uh, the front man or the uh, someone in the band is, yeah. can can talk a bit between songs and is quite funny and funny things like that, but crowded house, I've said this before. Uh, we've chatted about them. Oh, it's a weird them. one. Do you ever tell people you love Crowded House and they go what?
0: Cuz I, yeah, I I, I mean, t- Yeah, my best mate is in the band with me, you know, the guitar player, and we we share a lot of the same taste in music, but he hates Crowded House. He just he said, "What are you listening to that?" It, I think a lot of people think that they're bland and a bit um Yeah. You know, um but they're not that Oh, if people have just li- listened to the lyrics, they're brilliant as well.
1: I but, I think uh they I said this before, I think maybe, I don't know if you agree with this, because they're a bit lighthearted and don't take themselves very seriously in their videos. Yeah. I think people don't take them as seriously.
0: That's that's probably true. Yeah. But um, I mean, I think, you know, going back to when people don't say, um, you know, front people are good. I, the obverse is true as well, because I, I saw the Coral once at the NME stage in Glastonbury and they were, and I love the Coral, They're one of my favourite bands. But from the beginning to the end, they came on, he went, hello, and then they just played one song after the other, and he never said a word until yeah. the end. And by the end, it, there was a weird atmosphere, I can't explain it, of people just going, oh, well, that's not very nice, is it? And it, it there was nothing. Yeah. And, and I think it was nerves. I do think it was nerves rather than arrogance, but um, it, it was everyone left sort of deflated. It was great musically, but...
1: I know yeah. what you mean. There's a because it it is awkward that bit between songs. It is awkward. What what do you say? Yeah. I mean, it'd be it's it's like that. It's like <laughs> there's a comedian. The bit uh, where you used to do jonglers between the first two acts. Everyone's going to the toilet. <laughs> it's really you can't do a joke. You can't. What do you what do you do here? What do you do as a as a lead singer? But exactly. the ones that are good at it who just chat. Uh, yeah. It does. It makes a massive difference. I saw um Crowded House. Some of my absolute best memories of live gigs. A Crowded House, and it's from them doing. Mm. And apparently, they were known for this. Their live, their live gigs, they always do a different order. I saw them three days apart once. Once at Royal Albert Hall, three days later, Wembley, and they, I'd say, seventy percent of the songs were the same. But most bands, it would be three days apart. It would be completely the same set list. They changed it in three days. Put i oh, put that one in there. Put that one there. And it was um it was yeah,
0: exactly. Um, I mean, I, I, one of my favorite bands is Teenage Fan Club. I saw them at the Town and Country Club. Um, oh God, it was about nineteen ninety eight or something, and they came on. And he goes, "Hello, oh, good evening, London. We've got a meet of ours. He lives in London. His name's Gary." Do you know them? <laughs>
1: and <then> they
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they started the first song, but everyone was just pissing themselves laughing. It was just very funny.
1: That is good. I um, I yeah, I don't. I think they don't have to say anything right at the start. A uh, hello mm. is good at the start. If you go straight mm. into the first song, fair enough. Really? That's fair enough. You kind of want them to, but then you need to say something after at least two songs. You need to say hello. Yeah. At least. I saw, a, I can't remember who I saw. Uh, athlete. And I really liked Athlete. That was the same. They didn't speak until about the seventh song. And even then it was just, hello, hello London. That was about it. You're like, all oh, right, I could have listened to the CD, mate. <laughs> That's exactly it.
0: You could have sat at home and listened to it by yourself, couldn't you? Rather than go and see a live gig.
1: Yeah, um, Crowded House. I saw, uh, I think, definitely one of the best things I've ever seen. At a gig was the uh, Royal Albert Hall, crowded house. I think I've told you this. And they, they Neil Finn said um, one of the things every band wants to do is to be able to see themselves on stage. So I reckon our our crew could play one of our songs. You could play one of our songs, can you? So we the crowd are going what? So all the all the band walked off stage, and all like oh, the roadies cool. and techies and crew come on, and they got on the instruments. And they started playing. It's only natural. It's only natural. Yeah. Everyone's going. Yeah, this is really good. This is. This is like they're really good. But what? What? And then they would look round, and then a box lit up in the Royal Albert Hall, and the whole band were in a box, up. You know, about four rows yeah. up, watching and, like heckling and shout. You could see them really shouting abuse at the. B- <laughs> and everyone. So everyone. So we're cheering the music and cheering the band in a box. Everyone yeah. didn't know where to look. Everyone turned into kids Oh, like, what, what the, what? And then that they walked, brilliant. then they ran through the crowd on the ground level, sort of yeah. high-fiving people, shaking hands with people, got on stage and seamlessly, you'll understand this as a musician, this blew my mind, how they seamlessly all swapped instruments, kept wow. the song going and then blasted the last chorus. The f- you could feel the walls moving in the Royal yeah. Albert Hall. It was That's incredible.
0: That's a great sort of, uh, they used to call it a coup de theatre, didn't they? But it's a fantastic way of doing it. I, lo- I love it when, when artists mess around with that. And I like, um, you know, th- those sort of moments that you cannot replicate anywhere else. I went to see um, one of my all-time favorites, a guy called Steve Earle, who's a country, well, he's not really country, he's Americana. And, um, but I saw him at the Shepherd's Bush Empire. And um, he's famously, uh, I think he's, He's had six marriages, I think. But um, at the time, shows how long ago, It's about 10 years ago, It's on his third marriage. But uh, he's, he's he's one of those people that's really good at speaking between the songs like Springsteen. You know, he does loads of, of good sort of like uh, little raps between the songs. And he goes, uh, hey, everybody, it's great to be here in London. Uh, recently, uh, I, uh, I just got married. And as he was about to say something, some of the audience just went, what, again?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the whole place just fell it just it was so funny you know that typical sort of British sarcastic uh, yeah. you know what again oh god it was funny and then he just he, he burst out laughing himself and said I should have known better than to you know try and do that with a British crowd it was funny
1: yeah in America that might get a round of applause yeah they'd be like this but woo yeah whoa. in Britain again yeah. That ain't well, gonna okay. last. You'll probably get another. You'll probably get an album out of it though, when that <laughs> inevitably falls apart, and we will buy it, and we will be here. Right. I, but, yeah, the, but he's, until he's then, you have nothing but cynicism from us. <laughs> <laughs> do you know
0: there's a that's a great story about the Shepherd's Bush Empire? Right? I went to see um, Prefab Sprouts, who I absolutely uh, adore. I love. Oh, I don't know long. them. Uh, don't do you know, know Prefab Sprouts. No. Uh, uh, cars and girls. Some things move more for the cars and girls. Just look at us now. We're driving. Some things move more. Anyway, they're a fantastic band. Um, And um, he's a bit of a sort of mad, sort of genius kind of uh, recluse. And what what he'd done was, this is about 2010, maybe a bit earlier, he'd grown his hair really long, like white, really huge, not long, and then his beard. And he looked a bit like um, the guy out. Of, and he put like highlights in his hair and he looked a bit like the guy out of Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't realise, you know, but and uh, but apparently, and I love this, he was and a mate of mine uh, who's a mad sort of prefabs fanatic, went to see them at the Royal Court in Liverpool. And uh, he hit the front, he's, a, he's a real Geordie went, uh, uh, would anyone like, any requests? And quick as a flash, someone just said from the crowd, "Yes, mate, see my baby jive."
1: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: apparently, he he didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> no one had told. You look like Roy Wood. You look like Roy Wood. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, I, I don't digress.
1: No, no, that is good. I lo- Yeah, you don't. You. Uh, I saw one at um, the ones that you see at gigs. That you just. Yeah, you. There's no way. Of replicating he had to be there at the gig i saw oasis and i saw the bit where liam gallagher throws the um tambourine into the crowd oh, at yeah. the end of the gig yeah. i always in my mind assumed when that happened someone sort of jumped majestically and caught it mm. and was like you know and everyone around them was like well done well done you deserve that and it was a lovely moment. I was, I was at the Coronet, Elephant and Castle. They're doing a warm-up gig. Oh, my God. And he threw his tambourine into the crowd, and it just smacked a woman straight in the face. She wasn't watching, She wasn't looking. She was looking the other way, just smacked her straight in the face. <laughs> and then she turned around to look at who had hit her in the face. And then a massive scuffle broke out as people oh, scrambled on the floor to get the tra- tam- uh, tambourine. Yeah. And then she's like, I think she then started a fight with a woman near her, thinking that that woman had smacked her in the face. So, a fucking big riot broke out.
0: That's what I was be that. Moments
1: of transcendental beauty. <laughs> yeah, that must happen all the time when a ta- tambourine flies into the crowd. I know. Uh, what do you think of, like, uh, I think that's got a bit much now, though. It's on Facebook and YouTube and that all the time. When a band gets someone out of the crowd and they play guitar or something like at yeah, first it was like yeah that's good too much now now you're like if i was in the crowd i'd be like mate i haven't played i ain't paid money to see an eight-year-old play a guitar
0: <laughs> there's a famous one at the food fighters
1: wasn't it the, the oh that was kid. that was good it was I think good and I think he, that started he had a brilliant it. voice as well <laughs> yeah uh yeah, it's gone too far it, I, I think that started it. it they need to rein that in now enough yeah. of that enough of it. but uh t- yeah talking about people who are really funny on stage musicians that that i it's important to me because my wife i i was a real music pusher when we got together i told her oh you gotta listen to these you gotta listen to this because she's slovakian as well i didn't know she'd heard of stuff if yeah. they got that in slovakia because they didn't get all music there so i'd be like oh what you gotta listen to this you gotta get this you gotta listen to this and then um and then she said to me, you've got to listen to these. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what? What? I do the music pushing here. <laughs> and So I didn't take it seriously at first. Then she said, because uh, someone had told her, the pub we worked in, the manager, Rob Malkin, I'll mention him a bit because he pushed a lot of music on me. He told her she was setting up, this is a great gift, she was setting up rooms in the pub in the Bedford, uh, where the Banana Cabaret is. She's setting mm-hmm. a room up. He was a manager he said right you need to go set this room up take this album put this on the cd player in the room which is like the sound system for like you know a nightclub yeah level sound system put this on turn the speakers up loud and it was wilco uh i think it was yankee hotel foxtrot Fox yeah Drops, i think yeah. it was i might have got the album wrong but it was definitely a wilco album he said take this Set up the room, take your time, put this on loud and listen to this properly. That was the manager of the pub Tell her oh. to go and do some work, but take your time and listen to this properly. <laughs> so she said to me, oh, you've got to listen to this band called Wilco. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when you do that, when someone yeah. tries to tell you, go, yeah, 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 you can't, you, you know, I know best. You can't tell me what to listen to. And then exactly. she said, she said, but the, uh, the singer of the group's really funny i was like all right is he and then there was a thing on of him playing solo and him dealing with people in the crowd and talking to the crowd and he's what he's hilarious jeff tweedy and when we saw them then we went to see them at shepherd's bush and a bloke kept shouting stuff out uh shouting out ridiculous requests like that weren't even wilco songs yeah and he said he's thinking of introducing the rock and roll penalty box (laughs) He said, what it is, it's a perspex box that comes down from the ceiling and just goes over one member of the audience so they can't be heard and they can't hear anything and they have to serve one song at a time if they shout something stupid. (laughs) I
0: thought I bloody love this bloke immediately. um, I'll tell you what, yeah tempting isn't it for
1: comedians yeah <laughs> yeah one of those yeah the pellet just a persplex soundproof <laughs> box that goes <laughs> over <laughs> one member of the audience brilliant perfect so I love,
0: you know talking about uh, dealing with hecklers i remember going to see um, elvis costello is probably my favorite um oh i think i've seen him 28 times whoa and, um, i have I, I i do love him and um we went to see him at um, the King's Theatre, which is not very well-known theatre in London. And, um, it was when he was doing the first time that he'd ever done the revolving songbook thing. You know, the thing where they had all the songs up in a uh, like a rou- roulette wheel, and basically there was like 50 songs, and him and the band would... I think he was still with the attractions. Yeah, he was, yeah. And they'd rehearse like 50 to 60 songs. And then during the gig, he'd get people up on stage to come and spin the wheel. <laughs> and, um, but the thing is, this, this guy was in the audience and he said um, he wanted something like uh, Less Than Zero. And it was up there, but it ne- it was never coming up. So, and he he was, he was in the audience, and we were downstairs, sat there, and he was, he was sort of like stood up going, this is fucking shit, this is fixed. Less than zero, it's <laughs> fucking fixed. <And laughs> Costello said, you know, uh, no, it's not fixed. It's like, you know, it's just a wheel, just goes round, and it stops. Just a it bit of fun, it mate. Stopped.
1: It's not Vegas.
0: <laughs> and the guy was just in And I don't know to this day whether it was a plant or not, but um, Costello, because it was 20 quid a ticket. And um, Costello goes, did you did you pay to get in, mate? And, you know, thinking that he was a free. And he goes, yeah, 20 quid, waste of 20 quid, mate. And Costello <laughs> got in his pocket, pulled the 20 quid note out, put his guitar down, went into the audience, goes, there's, there's your money back now, fuck off. Yes. And I don't know whether it was, yeah, it probably was set up, but my God, that it, it, it was effective because the whole audience just went, yeah. I do I don't think that off. could have
1: been set up because it, it uh if it backfires it's quite uh it's yeah. quite a negative thing to do in a way, isn't it? it you is. know, it, if people it, don't go with that, it makes him look a bit of an arsehole. Oh
0: mate, but you know that you know that power sometimes you get in an audience when they're really pissed off with a heckler. And yeah. we just we just exploded and we are all watching him go, going, Oh yeah, get out fuck.
1: You don't expect that from a musician. Wouldn't it
0: be brilliant as he left the auditorium if they started playing
1: less than... They should should have, as he walked out, played it as he left. (laughs) I I heard a similar thing with um, uh, The Coral. You're saying about The Coral? Yeah. I saw them... No, hang on, hang on. 2002, Finsbury Park, uh, supporting Oasis. I went to see... When I moved to London, because I grew up in the middle of nowhere... I've said this before where, you know, you didn't really get to go and see live bands. There was no way of getting anywhere. There's no good buses. There was no, you know, so I hadn't seen live music much. And when I moved to London and then realised you could just get, you can go anything. You can get a tube anywhere, go anywhere, go any gig. You can get tickets. I figured out how to get tickets. I thought you can't get tickets for anything. They just go and you don't get them. I got Finsbury Park. I'd arranged to go with my mates on the Saturday gig. I think it was. And then the Friday one, uh someone a mate of mine's mate couldn't go and i one ticket I just went on my own thought yeah I'll go two days in a row You could do that then when you're single live in London oh God, um right, yeah. so I went on my own and I thought I'll get right down the front I lasted about one song uh and then got you know, yeah. trampled on I didn't like that uh I'm mm. more of a I'm not a I'm more of a stand and appreciate you I ain't moshing about I've gone there to listen not have a riot but um yeah. so <laughs> listen to this for a lineup uh yeah the coral um, I can't remember the Coral, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Oh my god, I remember them. Yeah, yeah, they were incredible. Charlatans. Oh my god. And then Oasis. Wow. That I mean, you're going to see up. that really two nights yeah. in a row, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, oh, one the Friday night corner shot, brim full of Asherana, forty five. But I think that's the only known song they've got. So they pretty <laughs> much got bottled off, plastic <laughs> bottles chucked at them, because that was a you know you'd think somewhere in your brain you think well Noel gallagher is involved in the decision-making process of this band Mm. so you know if you love oasis you're pretty much saying no you're wrong Noel, to put these on by chucking bottles (laughs) the arrogance of that but um so the coral were on and they walked on so this they would have been really young then because it's 2002 Mm. they would just they were just starting and when they just started, they really did look really young, didn't they? They had that oh, yeah. real fresh, rosy-cheeked. And yeah. they walked on, and I thought, "Fuck! What is this? Who are these? These should be in like a scout hut or something. Look at them! They're about twelve. They were younger than me. The, the nerve of them! And then they started one song, and I went, "Oh no, fair enough. Jesus, yeah, they're good. They're, they're brilliant, the coral. And there was a bloke behind me. uh <laughs> Every song, they go." Right, this one's called, and then they say what the song was, and they go, Boo! Skeleton Key! Play Skeleton Key! Boo! And then they go to the next one, and they go, Skeleton Key! This song's called, cool. blah, blah, blah. They go, No! Fuck that! Skeleton Key! Every song he disagreed with. And right near the end, they played Skeleton Key, and he lost his shit. Everyone around him by that point... Was then joining in, going yes, yeah, Skeleton Key. They didn't even know what it was, <laughs> and when it came on, there was just one area that went mental. Yeah, just for this bloke, they were so happy for this bloke. He was fucking <laughs> annoying all the way through it, but it got f- more and more funny. How adamant he was! They should play Skeleton Key. But um, like yeah, they are uh, they're like what? Oh, I forgot the name of that album they did. Not the last one, the one before. Uh, the Coral, I think was, I think was their best album. Dude, the, the, the one incredible. with all the birds on
0: the front, That like, very yes. psychedelic one. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Yeah. They've also got an acoustic version of that, which is really good as well. Have they? I,
1: I would definitely get that. It's really based good. on that that album.
0: A- You know, talking about, um, this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and uh, again, it was at Glastonbury, but um, um, we went to see Shakin' Stevens and he did that classic thing. I don't know if this bothers you, but, um, you know, when when a band comes on, you know, and they've got a back catalogue that everybody knows. But they will insist on playing stuff from their latest album, who nobody gives a flying fuck about. Yeah. And Shaky Stevens, who's still got a bit of a Welsh accent, he goes, Well, uh, thank you very much. And I would like to play six songs from my new album. It's like, Oof, oh Jesus. Stop it. And anyway, there was a guy there, and he was at the front. He was down the front. This was on the telly, and he got one of those um, huge, you know, the huge poles that they used to use to open the windows in schools, you know, with a big hook yeah. on the end. Yeah. And on the end of it, he got a life-size green door. <laughs> 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 and he was in the front and he kept waving it at and Steve Steve's going, Shaky, play green door. <laughs> and it must have killed him to hold it. Anyway, he did like a 45-minute set and he didn't play green door. And by wow. the end, the crowd were going, green door, green door. And he just ignored them. Really, uh, I've never seen anything like that. The other, the other one I've got to tell you, this is a. I went. I once went to see Gilbert O'Sullivan in the acoustic tent at Glastonbury with Jeff Green and Ian Cognito. Right.
1: Do, you,
0: do you know this story? Have I told I you that? Uh, no. Nah. Uh, so anyway, now Gilbert O'Sullivan, I, I, I think he's got some great songs, but he's famously very, very um, touchy and um, he was the thing. I was goes, well, thanks very much, yet Uh Could you liven yourselves up for Christ's sake? Come on, this is a gig. And then he played <laughs> the song, right? and we thought this is not the uh, the lovely sort of uh, fragrant troubadour we're used to. And anyway, but Cogs was really off his head, so he starts heckling. it <laughs> he just goes, uh, play Copacabana. <laughs> 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 and Gilbert O'Sullivan goes that, that's not me that, that, that. anyway this next one he goes do I write the songs <laughs> 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 he kept it up he kept it up and, and we were stood next to him me and Sharon and Jeff Green was off his head as well and then he shouted out more Barry Manilow songs you know and, uh, uh, and <laughs> Gilbert O'Sullivan at one point just whoever You've got the wrong fella. Anyway, the next song. In the end, <laughs> it got to a point where me and Sharon were so embarrassed we sort of moved away But Conquita. I was in full flow, just heckling him with Barry Manilow songs. Brilliant.
1: Oh, I've never heard that story. That's brilliant. He, uh, he would be <laughs> like a vicious, on, a vicious heckler. I mean, imagine being a musician, being heckled by a comedian oh. and a, and quite a vicious comedian as well. <laughs> A relentless, vicious comedian. Heckling you with Barry Manilow songs.
0: I know, but the thing is, it's very hard as well when you see somebody do that. You know, when you, um, uh, they're sort of known, like Gilbert so song is known for doing songs about, you know, oh, Claire, the moment I saw... And then they just go, "Well, you fucking shut up? That's not me! <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking hilarious.
1: So <laughs> so sort of tender and tender and sweet and twee, and then between songs, he's got someone shouting at him, "Roll your fuck off!"
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. oh god, it was so funny. Oh dear,
1: yeah. So you've gone to Glastonbury loads then, because you've. Uh, I've never yeah. done. I've never done the stand. Uh, the comedy tent at Glastonbury because yeah, it's, it's quite. a it's quite a closed shop. Close Once you're shop. in, you're well, in. It, I don't, th- well, it,
0: yeah, I mean, they've, um, I, I don't do it anymore, but uh, I did it up until, yeah, but maybe last year, but I don't, I think they are going to be uh, widened up. Yeah, I mean, what I used to do was I used to go to Glastonbury and and then try and see how many bands I could see in four days. I think my yeah. record is something like 26 bands in uh, four days. And uh, I used, when my daughter was, um, a bit younger we started taking when she's about 13 or 14 she used to do that thing and it used to make me laugh you know what young people were like she goes i'll give every band okay I'll, I'll give them like two songs and if they, i don't like them i'm off to see the next thing you know how that's like and i was appalled you know yeah as a sort of music level. i good you can't do that they might get good about song foot no i haven't got time <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. well it's like it is like uh a- glastonbury i suppose is like a massive musical you can eat buffet It, isn't is, it? Yeah. you just move around picking bits and yeah but uh yeah i um that's well my mate uh was one of them that slagged off crowded house and he saw them probably the same gig at glastonbury yeah, yeah. where he then came back and went no jesus christ but you must find bands is there a band that you saw first time at glastonbury that you have been a massive fan of ever since, but that was the first time you saw them.
0: Um Well, there's quite a few. I mean, um, well, I suppose it would be if you saw like 26 yeah. bands. In. Um, I mean, The Smiths. Um, you know, because I'm quite old. Um The Smiths at, at Glastonbury were um, one of the best things I've ever seen because they. It would. There were, there were a lot of people that liked them, but also. I mean, I mean, it's it's so different now because Morrissey's such a dickhead now. But um, yeah, a lot of people hated hated the Smiths anyway because of that kind of, you know, that he used to wear you know flowers in his back pocket and have national health specs and whatever. But people forget, that, and you know that that um, Johnny Morris, was a brilliant guitar player, and the band were really good, and they did a set on the. Saturday, I think it was, and they were absolutely fantastic. The Pogues, saw the Pogues at Glastonbury. Saw the Pogues uh, that, at
1: Glastonbury.
0: Yeah, but actually, this is a good story. Um, when I was in um, a band. Well, I'm still in a band, different band, but um, in the sort of like ni-
1: 1983,
0: um, I did. Uh, I was in a band called the Commotions <laughs> not, nice. not those ones, not that one, not the. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we supported Pogues. The Pogues, and they were called Pogue Mahone, which was, um, you know, it's Gaelic for Kiss My ass, um, And they had to, the Boys From County Hells, their first single, when that was released, uh, Capital Radio and all the radio stations, Radio One wouldn't play it because, so they changed their name to the Pogues. But we supported them and um, they were, uh, all the band were nice except for Shane McGowan um he wouldn't Ugh. speak to us yeah but i think he was off his head but we, yeah. we got that classic thing which i always think you should always give allowances and i think it still happens today where the support band don't get anywhere near the same sound quality as the main band
1: oh really <laughs> yeah oh, yeah, know the yeah the sound the sound people were biased like that i thought you've got to make the sound good for the whole night haven't you yeah yeah well it, it no, we certainly I've seen I've seen loads
0: and loads of things where I mean I don't think it happens to the same extent, but you know we 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 went on and we sort of like. We were using exactly the same sound equipment as the folks. Oh, and then wow. when they came on, it was like, "Hello." <laughs> he <laughs>
1: they used to were been watching us. This is bollocks.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, we were really annoyed, but you know, we were getting something like uh, I think we got hundred quid, which is a lot of money. It's
1: a lot more than <laughs> the old days. Wow, um, this is amazing. I've I've spoke to. It's amazing enough speaking to somebody from because I, you know, I'm a bit younger than. you younger yeah. than you, so I didn't see the Pogues, I didn't see the Smiths, so to hear someone saying, I saw the Pogues, is amazing, fuck it, I supported the Pogues, Jesus you know. Christ. I mean, they
0: were all really inspired, of the um, the main sort of musical guy, he was really nice. Uh, <laughs> the uh, main
1: genre. musical guy. Well, doing
0: two... I think Shane McCowan is a genius, personally, because uh, I think some of the those songs are just wonderful but the actual sort of like musician the sort of musician heart of the band really
1: which was, yeah because um, it was really it he had it. that sort of you know rabble punky thing of just oh. get up and do it which it's, a, it's amazing part of the nobody charm, really, but... no nobody
0: had thought of that combination before of irish folk music and punk yeah it was a brilliant sort of um, and then after that there was loads of people sort of copy, copied them but um yeah, so them, I mean, one of the best gigs I ever saw at Glasserie was, well, two really, was Bruce Springsteen. Um, and and that was only, you know, when he played. Uh, and I'd never seen Springsteen live before then. And that, to me, I mean, he broke the curfew, didn't he? Yeah. Was, like, over three hours. And then Stevie Wonder, I think, still probably in my top 10 gigs of, of all time. You know, at the time he was 61. And just an amazing voice. Just amazing. Um, and do you know that song? It's called As, and it goes on right. and on. It's on. It's on the album. Um Oh, what with the, "Isn't She Lovely?" What's it called song? Not songs in the key of life. Yeah, it is. Um And they did a thing where um it's got like a choir on it, and uh, and they brought them all on. There must have been fifty people on stage. It was just, it was superb. I, I tell you another one that was that blew my mind was Janelle Monae. Oh, have you ever yeah, seen nice. her? No, I don't even know who that is. Oh um, well, there's there's a good one, Andrew. Check her out. It, she's like um, a modern day version of Prince. She's just okay, fucking stunning. And um, she's a. She's got a great voice. The songs are really good. They're all sort of funky and soulful. But her staging and um, they were all dressed in um, you know uh, the same sort of uniform. And there must have been about thirty people on there, all doing like proper sort of james brown dance steps and move into the thing that was stunning i'd, I'd never heard of her that was about eight years ago where's she wow. from um i i don't know um i think she, yeah I don't, uh, she, i've never i've never heard of her think no i think she's american
1: yeah i'll have a look just just she, by the way you said check her out you you really emphasize oh. the check her out check her um
0: out. Do, do you know a band called I, mean, I think you you're familiar with the eels aren't you
1: yeah no I don't I don't know their stuff much but I know I know of them yeah
0: I think if you like Crowded House you'd love um, him he's Mark Everett he's um, I think he's a genius and uh, that again one time at Glastonbury, um, I saw his show and they did it in a really they were all dressed the same but they had that kind of um, choreographed banter but some of it was really funny. Like at God, one point God they said this song band. is about the drummer's love life, and they made the drummer get married to the guitar player on stage. They conducted a service <laughs> with the, the preacher who came. It was so funny, but brilliantly done.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, um, I, yeah. I like because uh, uh, I've never been to Glastonbury, so I'm really jealous that the amount Sorry. of bands you must see. I do like that every now and again the big choreography on stage. I'm not one oh. for that normally. I just like a band to play. But every now yeah. and again, you see something. Just little things. I can't remember seeing um, Kasabian at Wembley Arena. And this how's how good is this for a start of a gig? You know, normally, I love that thing of a band slowly walking on. And you see them oh. coming on, you're like, whoa, just that excitement. But uh, they had the curtains drawn. Um for Kasabian, and it was Wembley, it was the West Pauper Lunatic Asylum album, where the they're all like album, in a lunatic yeah. asylum on the cover. Mm. So the the thing, what the roadies were all dressed in white sort of um, gowns like they worked in a mental asylum. So all the roadies were dressed up like they are in a mental asylum, and the curtains were drawn, and the start of the gig, the roadies come out like they are you know, in an asylum, and pulled the curtains back and the band were already stood in position, ready to play. It was like, fuck, they're there already. It was oh, amazing. Wow. I love I that. Lo- but I, normally I'm just like, a, just just play. But every now and again, just like, you know, imagine them all. That like, There was like, how many did you say? Like 30 on stage at Glastonbury, all dressed up. Dude, that must have been yeah. amazing. But um, I've, I'll say this. You might find this. Uh, people could be annoyed with this. I do... I do. There was a Bruce Springsteen working on a dream album. Yeah. Was that the name of the album? I absolutely yeah. love that album. But I've never. I've, I've, he's one of them that I think I should be obsessed with Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. And I think he's really good. And I really. Obviously, he's really good. I really like him. Like, I watched a documentary about him thinking, right, this will do it. This will get <laughs> me obsessed with him even more. You know, when you think you already like someone, but this should make me obsessive. <laughs> And I found it fucking exhausting. It was the one where they were talking about recording an album and saying how mental he is. And he drives people to the point where they nearly have a breakdown because he makes them do a thousand takes. Yeah. And I just thought, fucking, that's really... It it now makes me listen to his songs and it it gives me a headache because I think of the poor bastard that did a thousand takes to get that right. Yeah.
0: I mean, he, they famously called him the boss, didn't they? I mean, I I do love Springsteen, but, I mean, that's why I don't want to meet, um, you know, um Costello, because I've heard horror stories of what he's like. You know, I don't... Oh, don't, really? He, he's not meant to be a very nice person, but, hey. You know what? I, I once went to see um, Van Morrison and the Chieftains at the Royal Albert Hall. And, yeah. And um, as... Um, as was sort of coming out the uh, thing, a euphoric gig, fantastic gig. Um, a guy bumped into me in uh, in a leather jacket, and I went, "Hey!" And then it was it was Elvis Costello. <laughs> 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 but they were joking because my, my girlfriend at the time knew how, how obsessed I was. Said, You're probably not going to wash that shoulder for a week, are you? And I, <laughs> I, I didn't. I've um, I've heard that he's he's famously again. Um, I, maybe he's better now since he's given up the. Uh, the, the source, but um
1: Van Morrison's another one. He's not got a great reputation either, is he? Oh, he
0: famously, by the way, um at Glasserie as well. He he's another one on the main stage where everyone was in a really good mood. Didn't say one word. He didn't see even say hello. Uh, <laughs> and people were just raging. It's funny that you know, isn't it? That people. <laughs> I wonder if that's a British thing. He didn't even have the common courtesy to say.
1: Hello. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it must be. Yeah. Let's like say hello. Manners. I mean, Manners. okay, yeah, come on nothing. come on stage and play some of these timeless classics, but have some common courtesy.
0: I will say this, by the way, talking about the one of the best gigs I ever saw, um, and it's quite recently, and it was in Edinburgh, um, and I went with Nick Revel um, oh, yeah. and Michael Legg, and we went to see PJ Harvey. Um, now, right. there is an example of somebody that I didn't, I wouldn't say I disliked her, but I didn't really know any of her stuff. And I was, I was a bit, I was always a bit near, but yeah. the show was just absolutely, it was like a theatre show, but the music was really good. And she hardly spoke to the audience at all, except at the end when she came on, it, it was probably one of the best things I've ever seen. It was stunning. It was choreographed. There was about was a 30 piece band and there was every sort of, there was loads of percussion in it. And um, that was just, yeah, fantastic.
1: Who? Who 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 was the, the pusher to all go and see that? It was, was Nick. That... Yeah,
0: Nick. Oh, Nick, okay. Nick Revel's been saying to me for years, oh do you like PJ Harvey? I go, Well, I like one song. You know, <laughs> isn't it funny that yeah, yeah. music lovers are always like, Yeah, well yeah. I, is it is it is it that song? Well yeah, that's that that song's good but it's not their best song. Well for me it is. I'm not It's yeah. funny how, how people are resistant, as you were saying, for years people be saying, You've got to listen to so and so and you just think the more they do it actually, the worse you get, don't
1: you? <laughs> Yeah, it's like that thing with people going, "Have you not seen The Sopranos or have you not seen um yeah. Walking Breaking Dead or something Bad. on Breaking Bad on Netflix?" And you're like, "Well, no." And you you going on about it is making me not going to watch it for years now. And I was like, <laughs> I could be like that with albums and musicians as well. <laughs> and sometimes, I don't know what it is, sometimes it, it I don't know why it's some Do you ever look at how long an album is sometimes an album it says like spotify it says how long it is and it says it's 37 minutes long and yeah. you think i haven't got 37 minutes to sit and listen you watch some shit on telly for an hour but you can't yeah. sit and listen to an album it's a, I, I don't know why it's such an investment listening to an album you really got you just got to sit and listen to it sometimes because i find if i put sometimes it's all right if you have it on in the background cooking or something but you don't really listen to it properly like i've heard that but i've you know and you could have like that's what i did with a band that you told me to listen to and i did listen to them but just kind of while i was doing something because i didn't really appreciate it and i've prepped for today i've listened to them again oh my god and i did i didn't completely didn't get how great they were and now i do cherry ghost oh god they're fantastic you, about four times you've mentioned them to me, and I've gone, Yeah, yeah, yeah i listened to a couple. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. But now I'm annoyed with myself that I no. didn't listen to them properly. You know, when you take ages to listen to a, a <laughs> band and you think, I could have had them in my life for years. How exactly? Did I live you, you're listening to the them? albums
0: like 10 years ago, and you think, Oh, God, I didn't, you know, when yeah. they were at, they're, they're at their sort of peak of fame. I mean, Cherry is yeah. split up now. They're not, he doesn't make any any records anymore.
1: I know, yeah. and I, I just saw that, I just read that a minute ago and thought, well, that's a band I've missed now because yeah. of my own ignorance. Oh, I tell you um, what, I
0: did see them at um, the Union Chapel in Islington, which is a great, I don't know if ever, you've ever venue. been there. That is yeah, one have, of the yeah. best venues ever. Um, and I saw them about, must be about eight years ago, so after the second album had come out, and it was him and three other guys. Um, no drums, but still an absolutely f- oh, I find fabulous gig. Uh, and I'd, I'd forgotten. Uh, well, he's a great musician as well. But again, he was really funny in between the songs.
1: Oh, was he? You know, yeah, quite from right. Bolton. You know, he's from Bolton, he's, isn't
0: he? Yeah, and the the thing is, um, he's gay as well. All um, oh, right. Uh, yeah, he it, it came out after the it, just before the third album. Uh, but it was funny because um, the first album album's got Mathematics on and People help the people, yeah. and that was massive. And then in between the first and the second album, it's sort of. Flattened off a bit, and uh, he was just doing that classic thing of, a. Uh, right, this next song is a song that uh, some of you bought, not quite enough of you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And we we're all sort of like, going,
0: oh, sorry, sorry about
1: that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, but it did try. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Not, no- yeah, I Yeah, uh, I like that where Noel Gallagher, uh, when he played, uh, um, don't look back in anger for the first time in Sheffield arena. And there was like, well, he played, they played Sheffield and there was like eight people there or four people. And next time they played it, it was like 2,000 heaving. And he went, this one goes out to all the people that are here last time we were in Sheffield. And they all cheered and he's like, you lying fuckers. There was eight, eight people. I like that. This this didn't sell quite enough (laughs) because of you. But I I listened to it. (laughs) And um, it's weird, his voice sounds, um, I mean this in a good way, it sounds like familiar, like he sounds like someone, but I think it's just because it's distinctive in a way. Uh, He sounds like someone, but I can't put my finger on who it is. Well, I uh, think it's
0: probably because um, at the time when you weren't sort of, you're still talking about Cherry Ghost. Yeah, Cherry Ghost. At the time you are probably hearing them on the radio because they were, they yeah, did have probably. two quite big hits and they were on, you know, that kind of thing we see, um, there's a singer at the moment called Celeste, I don't know if yes, you've seen off, yeah. Off, yeah, and, and um, she's on everything um, and it, it was just last night she was on there, you know, for, for some reason on BBC Sports Personality of the Year, you know, yeah. had a song on um, but it's yeah, like she plays
1: a bit of squash <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, in between
1: I um, read the long yeah. list
0: so the thing is, you, you, you probably—it's probably part of your, um, yeah, your consciousness. And you
1: think, uh, yeah, that's probably it. Good explanation. I, it's a
0: shame. It's a shame he's not doing it anymore, though. It's—he's um, he, got a really good gift, you know, for writing great songs.
1: Well, know. I did read that. Um, so I was. So then I, I, I do that where I listen to something, and if I really get into it, then I have to know everything about them. I have to Google yeah. them and know everything where they're from. It's funny when you do that and then you see them and go, "No, oh, they're not what I thought they looked like." Or, "Oh, they're from <laughs> Bolton, Bolton." Um, <laughs> but uh, he—he's—he uh, wrote um, a recent Liam Gallagher song, with Liam Gallagher, which was a big one for what it's worth. I'm sorry, that one. So he'd have made a um, bit of money off that, right? Uh, Liam good. Gallagher. I think he writes songs. He, he kind of—he's yeah. not prolific enough to write albums, but he right. writes some really good ones. So he writes with people, yeah. and he wrote one with him. Oh, that's good. Well, that's good, good yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and I
0: think he's a songwriter for hire, as it were, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. But these lyrics that's... are brilliant. Like, I love yeah. it. You'll know that when you listen to a song, and you can, from the first verse, you can you can feel what it's going to rhyme with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's there's music, music writing tropes where, well, that's going to rhyme with Angel. You know, that kind of thing. And it's lovely when you hear someone and you're like, I have no idea what the next lyric's going to be here. God knows what this could be. Like, I think you... uh, Guy Garvey's great for that. He's yeah, right, I think there's no by. accident,
0: by the way, that those, those because um, I think it's quite a northern thing. You know, my, my favourite band, yeah. the first two albums especially, is um, Arctic Monkeys. Yes. I, I think he's a brilliant lyric writer. You know, that bit where he goes, oh, look at her, she's got the face on. Oh,
1: God. Oh, if you like the first two albums... Yeah, and you've, have you given the others a go, or you've sort of not? Uh, I have given a go. No, I got, I got up
0: to album. Uh, I didn't listen to the last one, unfortunately. Um, Oof, the sci-fi no. sort of thing.
1: I um, did, and uh, that was a slog. Uh, <laughs> as Noel Gallagher said, it could do with a fucking chorus. Um, <laughs> uh, but saying That's that, I point. think I think uh, um, "Suck It and See" is an amazing album. I prefer suck it and see and am to the first two albums i think they're their okay, best albums. am uh, have you listened to that much that is every song on that could be a single really? there's a bit there's a bit yeah. on um on suck it and see talking about um is alex turner's lyrics i i complete i go on about his lyrics all the time i sometimes quote them to people because i love them that much they could he could be a stand-up his uh observations yeah, really cute observations and stuff that could be stand up, but he's turned it into lyrics. There's uh, the one, the song Suck It and See, um, was a bit uh, hang on, she's got, she's got uh, oh, what is it? Hang on, you have to edit this bit, Paul, while I think. <laughs> hang on, I love is like, a... hang on, hang on. Oh, what I'm gonna have to Google, it. it's getting on my nerves. <laughs> hang on. She's got, what is it? A skirt is like a sawn off shotgun. I can only, that is it. Right, I couldn't let it go. I couldn't let it go. It bothered me all day. Here's the lyrics from the Arctic Monkeys song that I just could not get in my brain. I love it. Here it is. That's not a skirt, girl. That's a sawn off shotgun. And I can only hope you've got it aimed at me. Ah, brilliant. And now back to the interview. Sorry, I couldn't let it go. Couldn't let it go.
0: Have you ever heard the soundtrack to the um the film submarine
1: yeah um yeah and it's
0: just him and an acoustic guitar i think that's one of the best things you've ever done what
1: well, a it's, couple um, of those songs are on the a m album they uh, then recorded them as a band uh right okay
0: well i'll I'll check him out again. I was one of those people that um you know, I, I often yeah, I do like the first two albums because I think that he's he's saying things inside and I think Jarvis Cocker does that as well, you know, yeah. he uses phrases from everyday life in songs, you know, wood chip. I mean that that's there's no other example of uh, there was wood chip on the wall. I
1: don't oh, think yeah, anyone yeah.
0: else has ever said that in a um, popular song, have they?
1: Yeah, those little those tiny little uh, bits like that that make it more make it more real guy garvey does a lot of them as well i really like his, like uh yes his his one about um a a jumper made out of i can't remember the name of the wall he (laughs) mentioned hit it the name of the wall in the jumper but then at the end of um new york morning at the end of new york morning that song elbow song guy garvey i reckon he summed up it's gonna sound really wanky and pretentious, but he did in about seven words sum up, you know, what really should be the hope of society. Just, uh, what is it he said? For every soul, a pillow and a window, please. I'm like, oh, fucking hell. That's fantastic. I don't know, every time I hear that, that makes me go, oh yeah, you're right, guy, you're right. For every soul, a <laughs> pillow and a window, please. Oh, fucking hell. That is genius. Well, I've actually yeah. checked them. I mean,
0: I'm, they're a band I don't really. I mean, I do know some of their stuff. Um, I really, really liked the first album, Asleep at I, the Back.
1: Yeah, I, I got I, into I, them. I loved
0: that. They were much more of a, a kind of an indie band then, and they're
1: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but they. Um, I got into them later. I'll admit, like when they. I actually got into them after they got massive because that. Um, um, looking like a beautiful day that song was oh, uh, just on a day like day like the day everywhere yeah end. that that was too much it was everywhere and it put me off them and my housemate listened to them relentlessly jack so again i kind of well it was shoved down your throat like i'm not 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 having it and not then it was that? lip then it was lippy kids the song on the album after that lippy kids yeah. the lyrics on that again um, do they know these days are golden? That. Well, you want to you want to mm. say that to kids when you see them just sat in a park doing fuck all? You want to <laughs> say to them, hey, hey, don't take this for granted. This ain't going <laughs> to last forever. These are golden days. <laughs> and he really just summed that up in a sentence. Yeah. I, think I love his love radio show. It's
0: great as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, got
0: some really good taste in music.
1: Yeah, but Cherry Ghost get back oh. to him that is yeah what was it the lyric he had drinking vodka out of a teacup yeah it's like a really good observation and really great lyrics and sounds brilliant
0: he's got a great uh, uh, couplet in um, is it 4 a.m because ain't not a place on earth where loneliness ain't been first which I think is a <laughs> yeah, that's yeah yeah great. Uh, also a song which, uh, I was playing it the other day and singing along with it thinking how how sort of, like, poignant it is for today. Uh, it's Kissing Strangers, which is um, fantastic. In Kissing Strangers...
1: Hang on, hang on. Hang on, Steve. We're going to have to pause for a second. My son has walked in with a dog. Oh, no. Hang on, hang on. All right, come on, Tony. Out, 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 out. Can you get Tony in? Jeez. fucking Christ. I said to them i said to them you can't come in the office for an hour <laughs> he's bought me do you know why he's come in he's bought Go me on. a fucking christmas card that's put put through the door how how well, important least, uh, can that possibly be well you know a christmas card the job- from the neighbors who i've never spoke to in my life he thought that was like fucking a letter from wow. the queen or something <laughs> and he's walked in the door through the garden mud and shit everywhere the dog ran in fucking hell you have to edit that bit paul um sorry that's all right that. Is your dog called tony yes. okay <laughs> okay <laughs> just didn't you know if i just didn't know if you heard that wasn't that wasn't the name of my son my dog is caught it's a fluffy really really cute cockapoo called tony tony and any particular reason Yep, because there's nothing funnier than a, an animal with a human name. <laughs> but for years I wanted to, I said to my wife, "We should, if we ever get a dog, I'm calling it Tony for a laugh. Tony. Never thought we would. And she went to see the dogs yeah. and um, I, uh, I, um, I said to the owner about calling it Tony and the owner said, you can't call a dog Tony. And then she texted a week later to see, "Is the, the white one with the brown patches, that's still there. And the uh, the breeder texts back. What Tony? Yeah, he's still here. So oh, fuck it, stuck. If that was <laughs> it our own fault. S- sorry, it's Steve. Something. You were you were talking then, and he come to the door and he's waving at me and giving me a what card, was? and I'm trying to wave him away. Oh right, yeah. While still sounding like I'm listening. Uh, <laughs>
0: sorry. Yeah. I well, I couldn't see. So uh, now i was bit just saying, kissing, kissing strangers was a great song as well. It's very opposite for you know the times that we're living in yeah, yeah. strangers it is it, it, it makes you feel it takes on a different meaning from what it was originally meant to uh
1: yeah yeah okay. yeah cherry Ghost are named after as you told me uh wilco a yep, line in a wilco song yeah that's right or a wilco yeah. song and uh that's why you said oh you should listen to them Yeah. and i thought well i mean if they've got anything to do with wilco <laughs> then I'm, I'm gonna love them how, how did you get into wilco
0: um again it's cuz i i like um uh, sort of like americana type music and there was a band before that that he was in wasn't it um oh, what are they called uncle, uncle tupelo or something that's it uncle I've tupelo got their, um not their first album but uh, like a compilation of their stuff and i loved that album it, again that's like a, that is really like a, a very nice combination of um Country punk and indie together. Uh, yeah. Well, I suppose you could say that was Wilco. Although Wilco have got more and more sort of, kind of experimental and. Um, uh, that's basically how I got into them, um, and I, I think uh, I might have heard them on the radio as well, um, played by um, Steve Lamac or somebody like that. You know.
1: Yeah, um, but I don't think they're that massively known in England. Wilco. I don't. I always do that. where well, I think I. I i'm on the inside and i know about bands that people don't know about and then you realize well no everyone knows them but i think wilco is one that not everyone knows um no. people think you're on about the shop yeah. so that when you said you like wilco i was like oh fuck, right um, my
0: favorite wilco song is impossible germany i love that
1: song. yeah yeah that's impossible off Impossible um, germany that's the album that I saw them at Shepherds Bush. That's the oh, album that I was out there. I am so then. jealous. Oh. Sky Blue Sky. Yeah. That, like, if anyone wants to get into Wilco, if you buy... I got into them then, so after they have gone through their real experimental stage, because it's a really good story. There's a DVD. Have you seen the DVD? No, no. I'm just trying something. to break your heart. It's a documentary <clears> about <throat> the time of the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot album so it's a great anyone who's into music it's a great classic story of not just music anything you're trying to do like if it applies to stand up or write whatever where they're trying to record an album and it at the time it was jeff and jay who was in that band uncle tupelo that's right could you could see it wasn't quite working the two of them you could see the tension coming over even though you knew like what you already knew that he was going to leave the band before you watch it but you could like oh god you could sense the tension how much hard work it must be to get anything done it's really hard when you're trying to do something someone just says no I'm not sure about that I don't like that bit you're like fucking hell so I can't imagine what that's like in a studio so you could set so there's that the tension in the band and then they're trying to be experimental with the songs and trying to do something different And then the record label suddenly said they don't like it, they don't like the album, they're not going to release it, and they dropped them from the record label. So all this is going... They thought they were just going to do a documentary about making an album. And during that album, the original member left, and it was a horrible... The band had to sort of ask him to leave, a horrible, tense thing, and the record company dropped them. You know, because wow. it wasn't commercial enough, and it wasn't yeah. there wasn't enough singles in it, and all that kind of thing. So and it's, it's amazing really they managed to watch. continue.
0: They've had a they've had a long career, really, Wilco. Yeah, um, doing what they like. I think that's a great story, actually, because they've they've basically done what they like, haven't they, Wilco?
1: Yeah, and all the members in that band. There's a uh, if like so, you know sometimes you see a band like you said uh, the Pogues, uh, yeah. the bloke who's like. He's a real musician. You think he yeah. probably holds it all together. Wilco, one of them, where every individual one of them, uh, you know, is like on another level. Mm. Like the drummer is an absolute genius. Glenn uh, thingy is unbelievable. You could just watch him. And then the lead guitarist, Niles, you could just watch him. And then <laughs> Jeff, obviously, you could just watch him. Then the bass player, John, then there's yeah. uh, that. The bloke Pat who plays a bit of guitar and a bit of piano and he looks cool as fuck. And then they're all in other bands as well at the same time. So they're all really? like Yeah, they're all in all different bands. That's I think that's more oh, wow. acceptable in America to yeah. go at being another band at the same time. In England it's you know, it's like cheating on your wife, isn't it?
0: <laughs> hey by the way, is it Jeff Tweedy made an album with his son, didn't he? Yeah. That's a real thing, isn't it? A real modern thing, because Neil Finn did the same.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: there's quite a few people, though. That, uh, I suppose it's a, a measure of how long rock and roll's been going. That the albums with fathers and sons are now a thing, a modern phenomenon. I, don't, I haven't heard yeah, they, it. Either. They
1: used to, musicians used to have the decency to die young. Well, there was <laughs> there was no chance of recording something with their children. No way they would have children. The amount of drugs they were doing. But now, yeah. with a clean diets, uh, yeah. <laughs> their children are... Like, Johnny Marr, he's played some stuff. His son's played, and his daughter have played on his solo stuff.
0: Did they? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that, He's Tom, good.
1: I saw him live. He's really good. Um, uh, he's called he's actually... Niall, after Niall Rogers, Johnny Marr's son, isn't he? Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, um, that We sort of skirted over that quick. You kind of went, yeah, it's all the Smiths at uh, Glastonbury, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I got into the Smiths in quite a weird way, I got into the Smiths via Crowded House, in really? a way, because, yeah, because the Smiths are one of them, again, one of them bands, you know they're great, not, you know, you sort of know it, but you haven't got into them for yourself, kind of thing, yeah. and then when you do, you're like, sweet Lord, why I've not been listening to this relentlessly, so I only got into the Smiths about, like, 10 years ago, um, i watching. I've said this before. Seven Worlds Collide. That's Neil right, yeah. Finn did a, mm-hmm. did uh, some gigs, and uh, he got a super group put together. A super group for some gigs. Johnny Marr was in it. Two of them out of Radiohead. And then I was like, just watching Johnny Marr on stage just exudes joy of playing music. You you can't help yeah. but get into it. The way he plays guitar, he's just like yeah. you know he half dances in like a cool way while he plays guitar. You know, some guitarists look almost embarrassed to be on stage. He's like his whole whole body is just like gently swaying to it while he's playing it and um and I was watching him and I thought, well, I love him immediately. And everything he said about they said that he got off the flight from New Ze to New Zealand. So like, you know, 23-hour flight picked him up from the airport and they said right do you want to go to your hotel and have a shower and have a sleep and then come uh, we're rehearsing at the moment but you we'll see you in the morning he went no no went straight from the plane to rehearsals after a 23 hour flight you (laughs) just think well i love him immediately and then um and then there's another one another dvd seven worlds collide where they all record an album together so you see them recording an album, or recording songs, and it's Johnny Marr, Neil Finn, two of them out of um, Radiohead, and three or four of them out of Wilco. Wow! You've got to get that. I'm, I'm actually
0: get must get hold of both of those. Uh, but the Smiths, though, for me, it was um, you know I was around at the time, and of course they were um, they were like a, a I, I actually got into this is funny um, how people. Get into music different times, but uh, my partner in the double act I was in was a guy called Brian Mulligan, and his brother was one of those. I don't think you've ever had this. Was like the the person that you meet. Um, I suppose we are like those people, but in every sort of like social circle, he, he just every time he's meeting, we go, uh, "Have you heard so uh, yeah. so? <laughs> you've got to, you've got to hear these." And he he had a cassette. I've still got it. He had a cassette, and it had, and this is in early 1983 like when no one had heard of the smiths and he had a cassette of um, this charming man and a couple of other. god knows how he got hold of them. i think he taped them off the radio they, um i'd never heard of the smiths and he goes uh you've got to listen to these they're brilliant and he also you still
1: have a band called the go betweens who are uh, one of my I've favorite heard bands of well. them but i think yeah. i've heard of them in documentaries talking about other bands i don't know yeah, anything they're, of, they're great i've heard I mean, that name
0: yeah, I mean I think if you like The Smiths you'd like, you know, you'd like them. Anyway, put that cassette on and it my mind was completely blown. That's how I found out this is a weird one of uh, the Stone Roses. I was doing a gig in Blackpool. uh in Skint video and um, we were doing a sound check and it was about 1988 so before the first Stone Roses no, just After the first or second Stone Roses single, and some guy goes, "Um, do you know the Stone Roses? And I said, "Um, who? He went, "Uh, the Stone Roses. He goes, "Uh, I've got um, like a a recording of the. the, they've just finished recording their first album. I've got the tapes of it. No, why? Yeah, and I I went, you know, I went, well, I've never heard of them. This is really early. Anyway, he put, he gave me a copy, he, he burned me a copy of the, well, burn. He he made me copy of the cassette, and uh, the rest of the week, me and Brian were just going around, just going, "Oh my god, have we never fucking?" But you know that first album, which is just every single song on it is like, yeah, still one of my favourite albums. And um, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't believe, but I think that's that's really weird now because Spotify does that job for you, doesn't it? It goes, "Yeah, if you like the go betweens." You may well like, and then. And it doesn't beat that thrill of um, when someone comes up to you and goes, "Listen, mate, your life is incomplete until you yeah. heard."
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that is exactly it. That's exactly it. Where right? you, like, you know, you're gonna wonder how you lived your life up to this point without this band. It's such a nice gift to give someone, and and um, you really every time you listen to that band, that person you yeah. think of them, like it, now. That, yeah. Cherry Ghost. I'll always know you told me to listen to them. Yeah. Stone Roses, I remember who told me to listen to Stone Roses? Ollie Pritchett. And um and <laughs> I still I remember him putting that on. It wasn't quite as cool as yours. They'd been out a fair while. But at that point they'd pick Guess up. what,
0: by the way? Guess who got me into uh um, uh Elbow, uh, the first album, asleep Sleep of the Back? It was Jimmy Carr. We really? were doing a gig, yeah, and he had you know, you know, in, even in the early days he used to drive really nice cars, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah. And we were doing a gig at Loughborough University, and the album had only just come out, and I didn't really know who they were. And he just played it and played it and played it constantly all the way there and back. And uh, by the end, I was a convert.
1: Yeah, um, he was I a massive fan of
0: them. Yeah, Jimmy's got quite good taste in music, actually.
1: You wouldn't, you wouldn't think that, would you? No. To, to look at I, him, yeah, it's, I do sounds a bit harsh, but you wouldn't, no. you wouldn't think of him as a fan of indie. You'd think of him as a bit more middle of the road music, yeah. a bit more. Yeah, you wouldn't think of, you wouldn't think of him going in a record shop going, Have you uh, got this obscure? You know, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, you'd think of him more Diana Ross greatest hits. That's harsh. <laughs> there's no need for that.
0: Um well, actually, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but, Diana Ross' the greatest hits. But fantastic.
1: Elbow's first album before you'd heard it, Jimmy Carr. God, you've got to take your hat off to him for that. But, yeah. Um yeah yeah so you re- you really re- is there a like um you know normally on this podcast I'll, I'll be honest we we talk about who you were into when you were younger and all of that we haven't got any of that we just talked about just generally yeah. brilliant but um is there a cuz you grew up in Liverpool so we actually we should yeah. ask should ask you about that you grew up in Liverpool yeah. obviously so i mean that doesn't that doesn't automatically mean you've got a good taste in music just cuz you grew up 12 miles <laughs> from from the cavern yeah like i grew up in northampton i can't make shoes um (laughs) you know so people of Liverpool, you don't all know everything about music just because you grew up near them but but to be fair a lot of you do it's one of them cities though i'd say manchester and glasgow are the same but you know it's a musical city because you probably don't notice it if you live there because you're used to it but when you're not from there you notice it more you see people walking around with guitars in a guitar case, just walking down the street. That's very You don't see that in other right? places. Yeah. In Liverpool, you see that fucking, that bloke's just, he's going to rehearse, that bloke's going to rehearse. Yeah. You don't get that in other places. Um, but um,
0: I, I didn't mostly, I mean, yeah, I mean, who, who was I into when I was younger? Well, I, um, it's really funny because um, I think there's that very, um, people don't really talk about the influence of your older brothers or whatever. Um, And I was the oldest in my family, so I was sort of like... But my friend was... um, uh, I was in a band from when I was about 15. Um, I was a bass player. And uh, we used to rehearse around his. And his older brother was into sort of... That's partly why I sort of like a lot of American sort of country music. And he he liked Neil Young and people like... You know, they were slightly too old for us. I was... You know, I was... Because my my era really is the 70s. So... uh, but and then it was really funny because I had that sort of dichotomy because I loved, um, you know, Neil Young and Bob Dylan and all those sort of people, and then but I also loved um, I had I don't know whether you found this when you were school I had two, maybe two or even three different sets of mates. So yeah. like one set would be um, my best mate at school before I met John, who was in the band, was a guy called Kevin Fitzgerald, and he was the guy that used to go to Eric's in, in town. I only ever went to Eric's once. Uh, this is a true story. I saw um, I saw Joy Division, uh, but they weren't called Joy Division. They were called Warsaw.
1: You um, saw them before they were called Joy Division. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen that in the documentaries are called Warsaw. Yeah. Um, you saw them uh, then.
0: Yeah, I, the thing is, I didn't know who they were, you know. So, no. but I can still remember um, him. Um, his, you know, his bulging eyes and um and sort Curtis, of contortions. Yeah, yeah Ian Curtis. It was, it was absolutely mesmerising. Do you know what was really, you know, years later? I don't know whether he ever did those gigs that um, Rawhide um, used to do in not Rawhide, um, Laughter House, did gigs at Eric's. Uh, never, did you I ever did do them,
1: Eric's? No, I didn't do Eric's. Yeah. No.
0: And what was peculiar? This is about. It's only about seven, six or seven years ago, and I stood on that stage, and that was a funny feeling. It was a really weird feeling. I thought, you know, in 1977, I was I was watching Ian Curtis about a foot away. So you're oh, stood, you st-
1: stood on stage, some head night, not even looking at you. I know. Do you know <laughs> what? He's like dying go- on your ass, thinking. Yeah. I saw Joy Division here. <laughs> Joy Division Oven Gloves.
0: Um, Uh, So, yeah, I did like the Sex Pistols and the Clash and the Damned and the Jam and all those sorts of people at the same time as my band didn't play any of that sort of music. um, We we sort of like, we played Steely Dan and, you know, um, Thin Lizzy. And, yeah, it was like a real, you know, the first gig I ever went to see was at the Liverpool Empire was uh, Paul McCartney and Wings in
1: 1975.
0: The first time that Paul McCartney had played Liverpool since, I think, 1965, so 10 years. And oh. it, it still, that's my my number two gig of all time. Oh, was it? Was still, it a really yeah. good gig? It was amazing, yeah. Wing, I think wings, because of the emotion. Wings. The emotion Yeah,
1: in the wings audience. Wings don't, they get, they don't,
0: they don't, yeah, they get a bit of abuse. Oh, wings. wings. Yeah. Yeah, I but know. he's... Uh, well, it's, it's a famous... Uh, Wings, the band, the Beatles could have been. Uh. <laughs> yeah,
1: Alan <Adam> Partridge, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I, think, I think any bands with mullets, it really doesn't help, does it? Oh, you can't no. take...
0: Uh, they can't were take sartorially of crap, and she's... I mean, have you ever heard the isolated vocal, vocal yes. track? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean,
1: jeez. everybody has. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it he was just... still writing amazing songs.
0: Yes, yeah, still had
1: I... great people playing, didn't he,
0: oh, in the God, band, I mean...
1: in Wings. You're not going to get yeah. any chumps playing with, with Paul McCartney.
0: I mean, it, it was it was good because of him. It was good because of him, uh, and he was in brilliant form. He was very funny in between the songs. Uh, oh, they did Hey Jude, um, you know, which is uh, a sort of anthem. And, and this is a famous story that he tells, by the way, and it's from this gig, and it just makes you wonder. Uh, uh, you know, all performers are the same. You know, we had that thing where you're on stage and... Um, you know it's going well, but then somebody gets up and just fucks off. We've all had that as community. Yeah, yeah. What have I done? What have I done? Anyway, <laughs> McCartney talks about they're halfway through "Hey Jude" and some guy just gets up, in about the third row, just walks out. And McCartney said it was going through his head, going, "What? What have I done? You know? Hey, <laughs> hey Jude, you know? It's like an anthem in Liverpool. Oh God! Oh, is the piano okay? You know. Anyway, in about, after about three minutes, he comes back. And he's just been for a piss. He's just been for a slash and he sits down again and then McCartney, in, inside his head, is breathing a sigh of relief. that it's. Gone. And I just, it blew my mind when I read that. I just thought, wow. The, you yeah, know, even McCartney. All, it doesn't matter who you are.
1: Yeah. McCartney, after being in the Beatles, in Liverpool, singing one of the best songs of all time, you know, unquestionably in the top 20 best songs ever, and he's still going... Oh, what's, what's this bloke? What's it? He doesn't he like hey, Jude? Am I <laughs> maybe? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not as good as I was. Maybe <laughs> that must I mean, Liver doing gigs in Liverpool. Uh, I, think, I don't always like being from Liverpool doing gigs in Liverpool. Doing gigs in Liverpool when you're not from there is if they like you, they really yeah. like you, if they don't, they'll let you know. Which is a good other places are like that, Glasgow's like that. But even Paul McCartney must have been like Fuck Fuck gig in Liverpool even though you've been in the Beatles still you're not as good as when you're in the Beatles, Paul (laughs) Frog song shits, Paul
0: (laughs) Get back with John. Oh you can't
1: (laughs) Um. give John a ring, Paul. Make up, he'll take you back (laughs) (laughs) Fucking heckling. in Liverpool, of Paul McCartney. I, I yeah. mean, I was
0: jealous of my mate who Used to go to Eric's. He used to come back and uh, tell us the amazing. I mean, I was too. I've got to tell you, I only ever went once because I was scared. It was really rough, and it was quite. Uh, I don't want to say really rough, but like there's a, a real atmosphere there, you know. And um, so he'd come back and he'd see you see everybody from Generation X to the Clash to. Um, I, I don't think I ever saw the Sex Pistols. But you know all all the bands that I wanted to see, and I go, "What was it like?" He go, "Oh yeah, it's great." And he go, y- "You ought to come." And I'd be going, "No, I don't want to," because that first time it was just like we were underage drinkers, whatever. We got in by the skin of our teeth, but he felt everyone was look, everyone was looking at you. You know, yeah. It, it was a it, Eric's was a bit sort of um, too cool for school. Um, everyone was everyone looked like people well i say everyone but there was loads of people that looked a bit like pete burns and walking around sneering at people and stuff
1: yeah and I, i've
0: got a true story about me and pete burns do you know pete burns yeah well, hang on,
1: hang on, hang on. Um, you know
0: from dead or alive you spin me well, oh yeah yeah uh, but then he was also in I'm a Celebrity and he? he didn't yeah. win it um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, he also had the terrible injections in his lips. Yes. But he used to work in a, a record shop called Pro Records, which was um, right in the centre of, um, just by the cavern, actually. And um, it was super cool. And he, he dressed like he did before, like half like a new romantic pirate. And um, <laughs> But he, he famously, if he didn't like the records that he wanted to buy, he wouldn't <laughs> serve you so i well, went high in fidelity I, yeah honestly I mean, this is actually true and i've still got this record and i still maintain it's a good record it's the 12 inch version of the members and uh, offshore banking business which is a great song Right. And, uh, i went in and i went uh can i have this please he went no So
1: <laughs> <laughs> i sort of
0: went um, yeah can i have it he went no shit I'm not serving you. I goes, what the fuck are you buying that? You fucking wankers like the members, they're fucking shit. So then he went to the back, he went, Barry, come here. So Barry came out and he was serving me. And at the back I could still hear Pete Burns going, Fucking shit they are, they're fucking kept up with running commentary all the time I was buying the record.
1: <laughs> it was horrible. That's great. So he, he would he went and got somebody to serve you. Yeah. But morally he could not do it himself. Professionally he made sure the sale was made. <laughs> so the so the manager's got nothing on him. We've made the sale, but he's made his opinion known. I know. Wow. I mean,
0: when I put that on Facebook once and I just got flooded with loads and loads of people telling the same story that he just and sometimes they uh, said people go, You were lucky, said so I went into a record once and he hates it so much he threw it across the <laughs> 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 I mean, that shit.
1: Oh, that hurts <laughs> as well. I had that done to me. When I worked, I worked in a factory and everyone yeah. had different tastes in music and we're all in the same bit where we worked all day and everyone had completely different tastes. There was someone who was into like Slipknotty, Thrash Metal kind of and then there was someone mm. who was into Eminem, Dr Dre and then, so it was just motherfucker, motherfucker all day and then there was uh, Dacky who was into Savage Garden and Boyzone and it was just all different and I, I put on Dove's first album um great which album is The see great album, album oh. but if people don't know it it's quite low key yeah I, uh, some bits of it i put it on he took it out the cd play and threw it across the what across the factory floor what's this fucking shit i'm like mate you listen to Boyzone, and you're throwing <laughs> jesus um that, yeah funny
0: how like, people i
1: get so angry but that's the
0: other thing that i love i mean i love about music as well is that um and and i hope that people still maintain it although i don't um I don't know whether people have got the same intensity about uh, whether younger people have got the same intensity. I don't know. My son, uh-huh. who's uh, like, you know, mid 20s now, he often says to me, he said, um, which makes my heart sink. He goes, Games are the new rock and roll, dad. As oh, in, what? And, uh, Gaming? And, uh, I feel
1: sad. <laughs> oh, God. Well, let's end the podcast there. That's <laughs> fucked it. We're off. We're gone. Nice talking to you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what we'll end on. Uh, seriously, um, go on. I, if you, off the top of your head, this is a bit. It could be a hospital pass, but if there was, like, sort of cherry, cherry ghost, that was a great one. Can you think of a band that you love that you don't think a lot of people will know of? Not loads of people that you think one of them that you should have this in your life. Um, you might have me- If they, you've mentioned them already, then feel free to just say well that. But if there's one you can think of that you think. Oh, just, just give them a go. Just listen to a couple of these songs.
0: Yeah, Surely. I mean, I would say there's a new band by, um, it's really one woman called Kate Stables, but um, it's called This Is The Kit. And oh, I... they're like a mix between indie pop, folk music, and um, sort of, um, I, I don't want to call it world music, because I think that's really patronising, but sort of, you know high life african high life so it sounds like it won't work. it does work and yeah. again the lyrics are really good um they've i've only just discovered them in the last three or four months um and uh, uh you know i'd love to see them live it's her called kate stables and her husband is a guitar player and she's from england but they live in they live in paris but they're well worth checking out this is right. the kit
1: i'll give them a go uh, yeah. Steve, it has been bloody lovely to talk to you again. I said this with Marcus Birdman. I don't, I don't feel like, I don't, I feel like we've just uh, skimmed the surface. We're gonna have to do a part two.
0: <laughs> I'd love to, yeah, just, Andrew. I enjoyed it so much, actually. Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, because we both, uh, I mean, music means like everything to me, and I know it does
1: to you. So. Yeah, I feel yeah. like uh, I should be letting you out the car now. <laughs> have we got to lose <laughs> this is a standard you know, i feel like i've got a half an hour drive back to balham oh, that's how this that. feels <laughs> uh, well thank you very much for all those lifts in times gone by no no thanks, thanks for uh, uh the music recommendations that was brilliant jesus saw so joy division gonna... smiths yeah oh, some big I mean, ones that, I...
0: I mean, I, I, there's loads of bands I haven't, I wish I'd seen. I, I, I mean, that friends of mine saw. I never saw the Sex Pistols, which I, yeah. I, I had the chance to go and see them. But I didn't. But hey, by the way, this is, might not make the podcast, but I saw Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers in, oh god, I don't know, late seventies, early eighties, at the Marquee. Oh wow, the old Marquee in London. It's still never that's been in my to top twenty gigs, and oh, they yeah. they opened with. Um, Oh, God. American, the American Girl. Girl. They opened yeah. with American Girl and then they closed what? with American Girl. And still to this day, <laughs> I could just hear like the lights were all down. It was just down, down, down. down. Oh, the yes. hairs on the back good.
1: of my neck, just like. Daw. Yeah, it must be a real Tom Petty thing then, I think. that he's, he's really good at a start of a song. He has a real good, distinctive start. Like, yeah. like I was saying with Won't Back Down. Yeah, American Girl's like that as well. What a way to start a gig. It, and a Gig.
0: <laughs> and a Gig as well. Well, I mean, yeah. that was the encore because at that time, I think they only had the first yeah. album and the second album was just about to come out. So they only had two albums. i tell you, I also saw the marquee were brilliant. The Pretenders, the original Pretenders. Uh, right. They were just absolutely fantastic. I mean, she is a brilliant performer, as well as having one of the best voices, I think, in, in rock and roll, you know.
1: Glad to uh, you've seen some bands.
0: I, you know what, though? I, I was saying to my mate Andy, you know, the, the guitar player from the band, but, we, but we've really slackened off in the last few years. Used to go all the time, but I just, you know, when you you working as a comedian all the time, people would ring me up and go, oh, so-and-so playing on Friday, and I'd be going, oh, I can't do it.
1: That's the you know. thing. I've got to mention that in the podcast at some point about being a comedian, the, the commitment to seeing a band as well. Because if they're on a Friday or Saturday night, you've got to lose a couple hundred quid before you've even bought the tickets. Yeah, exactly. So I always look at when they're playing, and if it's like, Tuesday night! Oh, yes! <laughs> oh, I love Get that. In. No, I'm definitely going to that. Ian Brown was one for that. That pissed me off. Always Friday and Saturday, Brixton. Always. Near Christmas. So you know you've got Christmas gigs as well. Just ne- no way. Can't do it. Yeah.
0: And by the way, I saw the famous... Um stone roses uh gig at reading festival
1: oh, i mentioned that last week with rich yeah. wilson you were there oh yeah. that must have been it was awful
0: terrible 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 yeah oh, it, he was he was really out of tune and oh dear dear yeah
1: um,
0: i also saw the nirvana one as well hell uh, i know that was amazing when he came out the wheels on a wheelchair and he was dressed in a wedding dress
1: yeah <laughs> people just go video what
0: the fuck is going on yeah, oh, they were fantastic that day. Um, I saw, I've seen them at Glastonbury as well, and I, I still think they are an amazing band.
1: Uh, yeah, I like watching that. My, my brother played them to death. My brother, my dad, he could be quite harsh. My dad refers to him, who's that? That cunt that shot himself. That's that's how he <laughs> describes Nirvana. Um my <laughs> brother used there. to My brother used to play um the Nirvana Unplugged. He had it on video oh, and we God. play it. And that is the, re, the what they tried to achieve with that, which they definitely did, was to sort of show that they're good musicians. They're not yeah. just smashing shit up and shouting. Yeah. And they, and when you watch that, you realise what music, what great musicians they were. They
0: did that um, song. Did it? it's the Lead Belly song? Where did you sleep last night?
1: Oh god, yeah. That
0: song. God, the hair's on the back of the neck. When time he at shouts at yeah. the end, he's he's yeah. got one of the greatest voices in rock, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, Okay, he doesn't get really the credit for it because people think he's just screaming, but it's not easy. Yeah. He's a massive like that, fan, it? wasn't
0: he? he a massive fan of people like the Smiths, but also he loved the Beatles.
1: Yeah, that's how they. There was that song, Under the Bridge. There's yeah. a documentary we're talking, trying to get him to double track it or something like that, and he didn't want to. And then the bloke said, Well, that's what John Lennon used to do. And he's like, All oh, right then. <laughs> <laughs> It's what John did. Yeah, Ooh, what, okay. I mean yeah it's up to you, Kirk. That's what John Lennon did. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh thank, thanks Steve. This has been bloody brilliant. Well thank you, please. A podcast from producer Paul